Welcome to the Battle College Podcast. This is podcast episode number 13, recorded 11-19-2013. And today we've got a uh, fun sort of take on a topic that we've already ta- that we've already done this year, uh, but this is sort of the reverse. We had Ray Michelle on earlier this year, and we talked about um, producing and having sort of been producing a game after, what, he's been producing for 20 years, 15 years, something like that? Yep. Yep. So we were sort of talking about what it's like now compared to later, you know, what it was back then and and how things have changed and what this topic is about producing your very first game. So we're trying to get someone on who uh, produced their first game last year and get their perspective on what it was like to produce in this day and age. So, Will, who's who's our guest? Our guest is the absolutely famous, I'm pretty sure he won Novice of the Year back when he was a novice. Um, This is John Weisner. Um. And uh, last year, he produced a number of games, actually, starting off with a bang, uh, including the Nexus series, which everyone was very appreciative of, and Lands of Light. Hello, John. Hi, guys. Oh, yeah. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Great. Well, it's great to have you on. I'm glad we we finally got a chance to to fit you on the podcast. Um, So before we get into the topic, let's talk about – let's. What's been going on with IFGS lately? Uh, Will, you want to start us out? Definitely. So um, on the writing side, um, Mike and I have just started working on a couple of encounters and things for the next Nexus game, Um, specifically some novice um, content for uh, Sherman Sanders and his crew. Um, And uh, other than that, we've just barely started going on sort of brainstorming and thinking about next season, which is pretty late. We should be getting things in sort of next month rather than beginning to type next month. How about you, Johnny? You you still heavily writing for next season? Yeah, I have one game in, um, the sequel to Lands of Light. I have that in. I've also um, put in an older game from Michelle Lonsinger called um, Sweets of Seal, and I'm oh, going to yeah. rerun that late next year. That is a that's I, I I've never actually gotten to see or play in that game, but I hear great things about it. That was my first introduction to IFGS, and it made me just fall in love with it. So, um, ho- hopefully, I can get it running next year. Fantastic. And that's I, a, I ha- oh god, I was just gonna say having having looked over very recently both that game and Sable Pass, I have realized that the IFGS has just barely gotten over an enormous furry fetish because. <laughs> Everything in both of those games, there's just so many animals in both of those games. It's, yeah. I was kind of amazed by looking over Sable Pass at the same thing. I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, actually, uh, Sweet Cecile is a great segue into the next thing, which is sanctioning, because I am on a sanctioning committee for a game, which is Sweet Cecile. Yes. And I have Sable Pass as well. Uh, yeah, Sable Pass. Sable Pass I was good at. Like, you pretty much get it in, and you, you do a turnaround. And I was getting my notes back in a day or two. Sweets is still I haven't even looked at yet. So that's on my to-do list maybe this weekend. So Yes, Sable Pass got a little messed up because of that version slip. Yeah, that was my fault. So I'm sort of in a in a stuck point right now because I have to go back to – because I already made changes in the copy I got back. So I need to throw out that copy, go back to the copy that you guys sent me, and then make those changes in the new version. Right. So, so that's that's what's holding that one up. Sorry about that. So what else are you working on sanctioning-wise, Will? Um, I've got two sanctioning things going on. Um, I feel pretty busy in the sanctioning area right now, which is surprising since I'm not on sanctioning committee. 
Um, the first is the PMS, which is the Persistent Magic Shop. Um, and that is a project that we started a couple months ago to try and get a sort of a universal magic shop that people could just grab parts of and, you know, sort of take whatever they want. And it was pretty big and universal. Um, and what we're doing is we're actually converting that all now into uh, an Excel document, um, which we will then use to do mail merges so we can build um, custom magic shops from it. It's going to be um, pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. Should, if, if we ever, you know, do it or complete it, it will be really cool. Um, if we ever complete it? You're getting me scared. I thought this was going to be a simple project. Yes, and then then sanctioning committee got a hold of it. Sorry. I thought I even gave you a good sanctioning <laughs> committee that it wouldn't be an issue. Oh, well. Yeah, they, they were all very ambitious. The other thing that I have in sanctioning right now is uh, sanctioning committee requested to look over the next version of AAP when it came out. So um, I handed over AAP 6.2 like three weeks ago, maybe, something like that. And uh, I've gotten a number of uh, Nissa and Jeff Lotz especially have gotten me some really good feedback. Um, and uh, I hear some other people are looking at some other chapters and looking forward to getting that all nailed down and sorted out and smoothed over. Yeah, it's interesting. I thought that people would have more input for you on it. Uh, it was definitely something asked by by various members of the sanction committee that they would love some some help at you know helping you balance the rules and whatnot because there were some things that popped up. So I thought we'd get more feedback, but um, I think people are... are either in hibernation for the winter or busy with other things and just haven't really been able to look at it. But at least I think it was good for transparency for you to get it in and offer that chance for, for people to look at that. Absolutely. And and I feel like, strangely, I feel like the people who have given me the most feedback are not the ones who asked for... They're, they're doing it to help me rather than to get their own opinions in, which I sure. thought was... Uh, fascinating. Yeah. So if you listen, if you are listening to this right now and you want to give feedback for AP for the next version, um, hopefully Even we'll have this out soon. Sanction. If you're not in sanction committee, look at it. Uh, send your comments to Will. Love to get those in. Um, FRC stuff. Um, FRC is the Fantasy Rules Committee is doing well. We're we're kind of just waiting for the end of term mostly. Um, we have two members, Pat and Sid, who are going to be leaving after a really long stint on the FRC. And um, we're uh, after that, we're sort of going to start barreling full ahead with the 8.0 project, which is something the FRC voted to uh, start working on. Um, and this Thursday, I'm giving my FRC report to the society board to tell them that we are now moving ahead on 8.0. Very nice. Very Exciting. Cool. Um, for those who don't know, they're are now new 8.0 boards on the forums. Um, there's been a, some involvement there, not a huge amount. Um, there's also a IFGS 8.0 Facebook page, although I there's nothing on it yet, so I haven't really publicized it. You can always go join if it's something you're interested in. That's where I'm going to be posting polls and you know stuff like that. Very cool. And production, you, we, we usually go over production because we're in the middle of producing a game, but we don't have a whole lot going on except for today. We talked about at breakfast uh, this idea that you want to create some wings for a game next year. Oh, yeah. We have a game coming up um, that we owe Karin and um, Keith Hopkins. Um, and for that, I'd, I'm 
planning on trying to figure out how we can build some giant sort of techno angel wings. Yeah, that's gonna be pretty cool. I'm, lo I'm looking forward to that. Uh, when you had you wrote wings on the script, I thought you I thought like meant and we had well it said like production and then we have none written as n u n, and then you had wings question mark and I went to like nuns eating chicken wings and it was kind of gross and kind of sexy. I don't know. <laughs> uh, upcoming games. Nothing till next year. Yeah, Nexus. What's what's the date on Nexus, Jonathan? I'm going to have it in mid-January. Now, of course, you asked me. I've totally forgot what the date is. I think it's 18th. I think it's yeah, 18th. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, there may be an issue. Um, it looks like there's a good chance I'm going to be having another surgery. I'm going to try to put it off till after the 18th, though. Jeez. This, oh, is, for the, this is for the, the accident? Yeah. The, um, they gave me a cortisone shot in the shoulder, and it lasted all of 10 days. So he's hoping oh. that I gave me another MRI, and I go talk to him on Friday. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Well, here at the Battle College podcast, we are wishing you the best for your health and hope you get better. Yes, All here at us. Battle College, we are well-versed in cortisone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, you had a little cortisone uh, oh my God. run in with your elbow years ago I, playing Ampgard. I, I did. That was – one of those shots was they, uh, they injected it into a nerve. Ooh. And that was, that was seriously the most – painful thing well second most painful thing i've ever been through so for those people that want to improve their fighting if you wreck your elbow and have to fight lefty for like a year and a half two years it's you'll true. get really really good and you'll start <laughs> liking true. florentine better i noticed this will was primarily a shield fighter and he had he went through this and he had to fight single sword um and single he got lefty yeah and you got really good with your left well, I don't know if I got really good, but I certainly got a lot of practice. <laughs> we, were, we were actually fighting in a tournament once, and we had told everyone that uh, you couldn't use your arm. And so you went out there with sword and shield, right? And you basically – yeah. it was two-man teams, you and me versus other two-man teams. And all you did was stare there, stand there and scare people because you couldn't swing with your right arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah that exactly. Was, that was great. <laughs> okay, so should we get into the topic? Let's hit it. Okay. Okay. So, um, John, for the let's let's. There's something we really need to get straight before we start out here. Alrighty. And uh, you'll have to tell us if this is too personal a question. For the record, to tell every all nine people who listen to this, is it Wisner or Wisner? <laughs> Wisner. Fantastic. I'm never <laughs> gonna remember that. It's okay. I answer just about anything. But now you can now you can always go back to this podcast and listen to it and go, that's right. I remember now. So you produced your first major game last year, Lands of Light, um, and we've got a lot of questions sort of about how that went. Because it was sort of a unique situation, actually, because you were going through these shoulder issues, this car accident, right before the game. Yeah, about a week before the game, I got in the car accident. Okay, so we'll get to that in a second. So first, let's start. What What made you want to put on a game in the first place? Like... Being a producer writer is sort of a crazy idea in IFGS. It's a lot of work. It is. Um, really, going to all the games I got to go to, and just I kept on coming with ideas I'd like to do, and kept on thinking about this would be interesting to do and interesting to do. And then I started writing it and talking with you guys actually about advice for that. And then I said, "Well, I don't want anyone else to do it. I don't want anyone else to produce it. And I don't want to get it screwed up. I want to have it, have it how I want it." <laughs> And that's where I decided to produce, even though it didn't quite work as well as I thought, but it, I did enjoy it overall. 
Okay, so why this game? What was this a like a game world that you already had? Was this a, something you'd been thinking about? Like where where did this game come from? Why did it have to be this game? I don't. With it, it's kind of a melding of several different things I've been thinking of. One of my okay, is it okay to mention things from D and D? Oh yeah, please, please. Okay, yeah. anything you want. There's, There's no, no, there are no copyright issues here. All right, I didn't know what the deal was. <laughs> <laughs> um, ages ago, there's a I played D and D back from the original little red D, base D and D set, and it's going on in AD and D. There is a adventure module called Castle Amber, and it had and it had a lot of interesting things that I really liked. And I was th- thought about writing an epic game about that, and it's kind of morphed from there. The um, roses in Lands of Light, if you remember them, they are directly. Uh, kind of a direct takeoff from that module but and i don't know it just kind of as i started thinking more and more about it i like like the idea behind it and i've just kind of took off castle amber it was uh it was x2 was the module number if you remember the old dnd module yeah. used to have a number yeah from, from the dnd expert set <laughs> oh you, did you google it also right now will because i didn't remember st- that one yeah my star oh okay no i just remember that oh good memory i, I really don't like that's wikipedia <laughs> so, so interjecting a little bit just talk about old D modules um will and i have been bouncing around uh shooting around this idea um of, of a game <laughs> that we want to do around this yeah. idea and uh ha- sort of sprung from from uh from uh an idea my wife sort of inspired us to to get involved with but anyways uh we were i was looking at old D modules uh, earlier this week and i ran across expedition to the barrier peaks oh i love that one <laughs> have you read it recently it is a horrible module Oh, it is, but it's a lot. It was a lot of fun to put on and put on as a DM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, laser guns and power armor yeah. and crash alien ships. Yeah. So anyways, we was, um, yeah. we kind of went straight in from there to the. There was also a system called Gamma World. We kind of tra- oh, yep moved over. I remember <laughs> sure. Gamma World. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, was was Lands of Light? Did it end up being harder or easier than you expected? Sort of the whole process, or you could break it up if you want. Um, the sanctioning process was actually, I want to say both harder and easier. The pe- working with the sanctioning team was actually really good. They helped me out. A lot of things I would never realized. Um, things like I'd write a, um, write in the, more of a DM style for Dungeons and Dragons. And they're pointing out that, you know, why don't they do this? You didn't write anything. Well, oh yeah, I need to have that on paper. That sort of uh, thing. Yes. So the, getting that down was kind of rough. And I'm also a person that tends to write as they speak, and filtering that onto a paper where other people can understand has been an interesting process for me. The way to write a game, it's it's a different narrative than you would a story or a play or anything like that. The way that you have to sort of frame it, because you're sort of writing for three audiences, right? You're writing for the players, you're writing for the GMs who are telling the story, and then you're also writing for the NPCs that are there. And it almost could be... I mean, there's a certain part of the script that could be separated into three different types if you wanted to. Yeah, and making sure that all three actually understand what you're saying, for me, I think that was the biggest part of the challenge. And a lot of the comments I got, and it made total sense once I was told it, but I would have never thought of it. They they should just know this, right? You know. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Yeah, and D&D, all of your NPCs know everything you know. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. So what about about producing and, and, and the rest of it? Producing, quite honestly, was kind of a nightmare for me. I, um, for you, you guys that were there, I was heavily medicated and <laughs> other things on that day. 
I luckily I'd had most of my props already in bins and things like that, but thankfully very much for Ray Michelle and several others who gave me a large amount of hand on that day or it would never have made it through it. <laughs> and do you think that's all because of accident stuff or do you think just in general it was going to be harder to produce than write? I think in general it's going to be harder to produce than write. For one, I didn't count on how much time it things to set up. When you've never put something together like this before, in your head, you know, this will take an hour. No, it's going to take four and things like that. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just you have to get the mindset right. I wish I would have um, actually hung out and helped produce a game or two before I did my own. Oh, sure. Even once you've produced a whole bunch of games, it takes longer than you think of to produce. I mean, <laughs> you think it's going to take, oh, this is going to take three hours. No, it really takes six. For Lands of Gold, which is going to be a sequel to Lands of Light, and I'm planning on full-scale high production, I've actually rented the land for two days prior to the game to give myself ample, ample time to set up without panicking. Oh, very nice. nice. Have you considered for Lands of Gold not getting in a car accident? I've thought about it, but what fun would that be? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, you guys are all hearing this. Before Lands of Gold, <laughs> crash into Jonathan's car. Yep. Of course, Barbie kill you all if this happens. But... <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yes, for all of those police that are now listening to this during the trial, <laughs> it was Paxton's idea. <laughs> cool, so it was, it was definitely harder to produce than it was to write. Do you, find, do you think that's going to be true on... On Lands of Gold, too? I don't think it's going to be nearly as bad. I mean, I'm nine months out now, and I'm already starting to get things in order. So I think that's going to help Fantastic. So what was the most surprising thing about production, sort of good and bad? Like, was there, was there a payoff at the end of it? The payoff was everyone that came through said they really enjoyed the game. And that, for me, was the biggest payoff. That's what made me want to do another one. People liked it. If people had gone through it and said, yeah, it was okay, I don't know if I'd have done it again. Okay. Right. Yeah, I, I can totally imagine that. You know, so it's funny. We did Heart of the Highlands earlier this year, and, and Will and I – have we talked about this yet on the podcast? We did, right? Which part? About Heart of the Highlands producing it after the game. I think so. Yeah, I think and we did too. game, by the way, guys. What was that? That was a great game, by the way. Oh, thank you. So the, the interesting thing is, you know, sometimes when you come off... We had off a car of... accident in front of that game, too. <laughs> I did not. So no, no I did. Oh, you did? Yeah, I remember the gallbladder. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's interesting. I sort of take it as like running a marathon uh, games. Like, while you're doing it, it really sucks. And afterwards, you get a little bit of a runner's high, but you're like, I never want to do this again. <laughs> and then about a month later, you sort of forget how bad it hurt, right? And then you're like, oh, I'll produce another game. <laughs> well, and for me, the, the, I mean, the award ceremony actually really helps, right? Yeah. Because it's a long time after the game, and suddenly you go through all of these things about that game that you liked, that other people liked, that, you know – they tell you about PC act of bravery and all this. And you're like, Oh yeah, that was pretty cool. Well, like, I should if, do that again. And if you're behind the scenes, you get to start hearing stories and it's the same thing about an AGP, right? You, you get to start hearing stories about what went on during the game that if you're heavily into the production, you probably didn't see unless you were lucky yeah. enough to get to GM, right. Or play a really important NPC part. You don't get to see what these teams are going through. You don't get to see the fun part. You just get to see the drudgery of having to go up to your NPC group and say, by the way, you've got, Two minutes ago, you had to be way over there, so start running over that encounter, and they just groan at you. You know that's what you're dealing yeah. with during during the back end of a production. Um, at least it is definitely it is definitely true that 
I, I think much like a movie, like if you go to a movie with someone who hates movies and afterwards, you know, everything they have to say is critical, you end up walking away feeling you, you probably like the movie less than you did while you were watching it. Right. I think it's the same way, like a, a good AGP, like getting to just sit down and listen to people play the game who played the game. I think that changes the game experience for me 50%. Really? That much? Probably. Okay. I don't know. Jonathan? 90. I mean, we're sort of (laughs) getting in the middle here, but what do you think about an AGP? Did you have one after Lands of of Light? We didn't because we wrapped up so late, and of course it was Pickle Gold, so it was raining. Okay. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I remember. Yep. So, and I, but no, but, you know, talking to people afterwards is the same sort of feeling though, you know, say how much they liked it. They bring up things like the dunking tape tank and things like that. And it's just like brings a smile. It's like, yeah, I want to do this again. Cool. Um, so, um, I know you got a lot of, I mean, as we said, you got a lot of support, especially because of the car accident. Um, was there any other kind of support that you didn't get that you, that you would have liked that you can even if it's dream support, right? Like I wish that the chapter had paid for everything in advance or, you know, what, what kind of support would have made that production easier for you? I think a lot of it is more support wise. It's more of being comfortable of asking for help. Mm. This, this time, that time I was figuring lens of light. I figured I need to do everything myself. Yes. I know people said we can help, we can help, but you know, I didn't want one to actually go, can you help me do this? So I was trying to do everything myself as much as I could as far as the props and all that. And I, a lot of things I left on the table, like costuming and things, I just totally let it go because I just didn't have time. Right. This time this time around, I'm just talking with people, being more familiar with the organization. I'm asking for help in advance, and I've got several people say, yeah, be happy to help you. And I think that's going to make a huge difference. Oh, that's great. That's amazing. I'm I'm sort of really? bad about asking for help, to be honest. So I, <laughs> I totally get, get, get you on that. Like I, I always think like – I sort of have this plan in my head, right? And I'm like, oh, I can do this, I can do this. But I don't think about, you know, if something goes wrong, you know, I'm, I'm almost always like something at the last minute. And I'm like, Will, Joel, help me, please, you know? And, uh, but, but so I, I understand about that loath to sort of ask people for help. I mean, you don't want to impose on them and, and all of that. Yep. And as far as in general, I think if the, I would love to see the chapter find a way to finance at least the land costs. Okay. Because right. you know, with Pale Gulch, a lot of times it fills up in advance. So I, that's why I just got my land this week, and you know, putting out two hundred and forty-nine dollars for land right off the bat, I'm not getting back for eight months. It's not a fun thing. Yeah. Yeah. So did the game go off pretty much as you envisioned? I mean, when you first came up with the idea of a, of the game, right? You'd you'd already played in a few games. This is probably what a year and a half, two years out. You know, when you, mm-hmm. when you first started writing it, from from the very start to the end. Is that the image that you had, or is there something that you would have changed? There's probably a couple things I would have changed. For one, I, I when I was thinking about how things were running, I was not being very realistic on time frames on a couple of the items. I would have started teams up a little bit further apart because I had a huge backup before the encounter where Izzy just terrified the teams as an incarnation of evil. Right. After that, it was okay. And also... I th- as wonderful as the final encounter turned out, due to my health issues, I wasn't able to make it exactly how I liked, even though I was impressed with what it did show up as. Interesting. Okay. Nice. Okay. I would like to have been more involved in that. And and so what what do you think were the big 
sort of takeaway learning points from from your first production? Like I, I sort of hear you say, get started early or ask for help. Anything, anything else? I would really encourage a new producer to co-produce a game with some, go through the process with somebody. Um, I think I could have learned a lot from um, seeing how long you plan for certain things for veteran producers like you guys. I think that would make things a lot easier when you're trying to plan your um, NPC resources. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Is is Miguel? Is he co-produce? Is he sort of shadowing you for Lands of Gold? He is. He's planning on co-producing with me, and we've had cool. several conversations, and hopefully it'll work out well. That's great. Nice. So, what parts do you feel like were enjoyed the most out of the game? What 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 parts did people really enjoy? That, that you sort of, from the conversations after the game, that they sort of said, oh, that was great. And was that the, were those the parts that you sort of expected, or did you expect another part to be, like, the better part? <laughs> um, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> the ones I heard the most about were um, Dan Frazier playing the person with all the little rules. And I really thought a lot of people would actually get annoyed with that, but people just loved it to death. Um, also, Izzy went far above and beyond on the incarnation of evil there in the graveyard. I thought that was going to be a fun encounter, but I hear about that over and over and over again. So so I was on the sanction committee, and I was GMing both days, right? And I have to admit, Izzy blew me away in that encounter. I mean, the, the, the game itself, I, I can talk about it a little bit, a little bit later, but uh, that encounter specifically, Izzy did an amazing job. Yeah. So for those of us who weren't there, what, I mean, what, what, how, what did he do? What? Do you want to go, or you want me to explain? I'll let, I'll let you go. Okay, so the encounter was was a big graveyard, and, and it was bigger than I expected. It was it had this great fencing. It had a great little enclosure that was dark. Um, and then basically what would happen is the PCs were trapped inside there trying to figure out this mental puzzle while being mocked by this incarnation of evil uh, right. and being attacked by zombies. And so... It, he could raise it at any time, right? Correct. Yeah, he controlled okay. the, the pacing of that fight, that right. encounter. And what I felt like it did well is something that I love. I mean, this is one of my biggest uh, sort of things, tools you can use in a game writer's toolbox, which is mixing types of encounters. It was not only puzzle fight. What was that? The puzzle fight. The puzzle fight. Yeah, it's you're you're not only dealing with the mental puzzle, but you're dealing with the mental puzzle while you're being dealt with the risk of of fighting and 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 all of that. And you've got Izzy staying in character for an hour. You know, that, that's the part problem with this encounter is it went a little too long. Um, and I think, you know, looking back over at sanctioning-wise, we should have probably caught that and dealt with that a little bit better. But Izzy's sitting there basically mocking the team and putting pressure on them when they started sort of slacking. And so it was really nice to keep the pace of that encounter, to keep the stakes really high. And the encounter came at a good place in the game in that it was about halfway through the game. So it was sort of the mini boss of the game is the way I sure. see it. And, and they got through it. And I felt like after that, the game sort of went down a little bit in energy and then went back up for the end. And it was Perfect. just incredibly well paced, um, much better than I expected. In fact, when I read the game, I thought the game, the pacing would be a little bit more flat, to be honest. Not flat in a bad way, but every encounter seemed really important. Like there was no fat really to trim out. And so you had this incarnation of law, you had this incarnation of good, you had this incarnation of evil. And those encounters weren't bad, but because of how this, this encounter worked and the tension that it built, it really sort of brought a peak up into the game that added a nice pacing to the game. Nice. Okay, cool. One thing Izzy did that I, I've heard about several times, he, I never expected him to actually heal someone, but um, apparently one of the parties had some trouble and one of the members went down. 
And he went over and healed them. I'm not done playing with you yet. And I just thought that was it was never discussed with him, never part of the script. But I just thought it was a wonderful thing for him to do. Yeah, nice. Just to keep it going. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so uh, sort of a much bigger question, um, and feel you know, I understand it's opinion question. Just throw out your opinion. So, what do you feel like current players want out of a game? Like, it, is that is that something you think about when you write a game? And if so, what, what is it you, you think they're looking for? I think it really depends on where they are in their IFCUS um, experience. Like a brand, uh, sure. a brand new player. I remember uh, it was in one of the price games at night game. Uh, life. Life. Yeah, life. And we had a couple new people there helping out, and you had a crawl area, and they went through that crawl area by themselves, and they just were <laughs> bouncing off the walls about excited about that sort of thing. And I think after you've done a few of those, you're not quite as excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right. We, we had one of those this summer, and, and it was fun. It was great. But you definitely look at it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I get to crawl in the dirt and get dirty. <laughs> And scraped up, and it was fun. But you're, you're, I, I think you're right. The first couple of times doing it is definitely the more exciting time. Okay. I think, I think my biggest thing is I'm trying to, I want to f- have a counter where they don't go, okay, I know this. We do this, this, this. Sure. And as much as we try to um, do different things, there's only so many different ways to do it. And I think a lot of times we get called up and going. Okay, this you know for string mazes, we've seen them a thousand times. Trying to find a different way for that string maze. Interesting. Okay. That's, and I think I've done it in Lands of Gold. We'll see. I'm looking forward make to this, it. Make the string maze invisible. <laughs> there you go. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, sort of going, it's tagging on to that a little bit. What do you have in store for the future? So you have Lands of Gold. You have this game that you're writing. Um, is there any other like things that you're sort of like looking longer term out? Like, is there a does the whole Lands of Light series end at some point, or is it just an ongoing world and this is another story? Um, it will end at some point, um, but it's going to be several d- different um, years in the making, sort of like your Price series. They're going to be dealing with each one of the Incarnation's lands themselves and then eventually facing down with magic. And also, Canon, Alexander, and myself are making a working on a night, uh, dark comedic night game. We're hoping to do not this next year, but the year after. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's say that again. Ken, dark, you and Canon are working on a dark comedic night game. So literally dark. Well, I think literally that's a night and figuratively. Well, so what do, you, what do you mean? What's what's so what are you going with? What, give me a, a thing that would can be considered dark comedic. Like what what type of mood are you going for? Do you have an example? Um, I don't want to actually. Everything that's fine. Don't, anything don't I say would give, away, would give it away in such a large effect. I don't want to go there. Okay, that's fine. So, the, just a question about rule sets. So last year you ran your games under seven O, but this year it looks like you'll be running a number of them under AP. Um, what what changed your mind? Why are you doing AP for Lands of Gold? Well, I'm definitely doing AP under um for. Sable Pass, and if I do, and Sweet Cecile. Oh, Sweet Cecile, right? Yeah, you haven't talked about Lands of Gold. I, I actually don't know what you're running that under. Um, and the reason behind talking to Sherman, um, you know, he had a search experience to six six two, and we were six, um, maybe six point one, and we were talking about the rule sets, and I was telling him some of the differences, and he said, well, you know, I, um, what was it? I forgot his exact words, but basically, simple subtraction is better than do, having to do all these different little formulas for the armor. That got me. 
and quite honestly, one of the um, conversations that was going on on Facebook's Facebook about mages and being able to have do damage all the time. I got so annoyed with people saying, no, no, they're fine. And when it's obvious they're not, no one likes to sit out things. Yes. And so it's like, okay, I need to support the system that makes sense. All right. You hear that, Seth Bush? No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. Okay. um, Call out. No, no. I, I, uh, I think, I think all opinions are valid. There are just some that are, Right and valid, and some that are wrong and valid. We'll start talking about monk and knight in a minute. I just think Dude. people get too comfortable with certain things and decide that is all it needs to do. No, no harm in looking for something better, even if you like what's going on now. Right. That is a. I, I'm making that my personal motto and having it tattooed on my ass. <laughs> um. Okay. So something you and I mentioned briefly offline. Um. You are planning to apply for the FRC when the positions come open this March. Yes. Um, why? Well, you know, six months ago, I probably would have never even thought about going for it, but getting more and more paying attention to the rule changes, AAP for one of them, and the conversations about it, it seems like a lot of people are set that what we're doing now is the best way, and our system scares novices. Yeah. And for that alone, we have to find a way to make it more comfortable for them without breaking the wonderful times we have now. And I want to be involved with that. Awesome. I think that's a great answer. I agree. I, yeah. I promise not to remember that when the application time comes. Cause <laughs> I may be too new to, to want me on the, on there, but I'm going to give it a shot. I don't, th- I mean, so the, um, I mean, I, I really don't think that's the case. It's, you know, we have two like real longtime veterans moving on. And I think what we're looking for is, specifically new ideas and people who are interested in exactly what you're talking about. Um, the vote we took as to on whether to move on to 8.0 specifically mentioned that we would be keeping that in mind when we looked for new applicants. So, okay. uh, well, and we'll it sounds like happens. even if you don't get on the FRC, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of people that might be interested. It seems like there's a lot of feedback, a lot of places for feedback on this rule set that you can be involved in the conversation. Um, and hopefully that will that will be enough for a lot of people, you know, that that may not be able to get on or whatnot. Certainly. Yep. I think so. Um, It sounds like at least you guys are in in tune with wanting to listen to what people have to say. (laughs) Uh, When it comes to rules, don't talk to me. I'm not not a rules guy. (laughs) I leave that all to William. All right. Um, Well, cool. I I think that's, uh, Mike, you have any other sort of ad hoc questions you want to pop on here on the end? Uh, no, I think that's about it. We're going to take a little break and we'll be back in just a few minutes with our few moments, actually with the five questions. So stay tuned. And we're back. Um, before we but get not to, with the five questions. Not with the five we questions. Were we were off air for a few, for a few moments, and uh, Jonathan asked us a question, and, and we decided we'd bring it to the air and, and discuss it a little bit here. So um, those why – don't, why, don't um, why don't you start it off, Jonathan? Um, for those of you that have been to the Lands of Light games, you know that um, my people are broken up into different factions based on their alignments. And specifically neutrality – um, likes games because they think you know games it breaks down everything's neutral with that i had an idea for a game for them that's basically a series of two or three different war games um 
the first one being something like if you ever played World of Warcraft, the per- player versus player arena, um, Alderac Valley, have something like that go on in um, Pickle Gulch or another large area like that, splitting up the PCs equally. And I have several different ideas for it. And I was just curious if Mike and Will thought that would go over well with the current pl- people that are playing IFCAS. So first, if you you said neutrality is about even, you know, everything's even in a game. If you played mm-hmm. Alterac Valley and you were Alliance, you heard the whining from Horde that it was never actually balanced right for Horde, and it was always in favor of the Alliance, and that's why they usually win Ultrak Valley. So, just wanted to put that out there as my little Alliance bitch, but... Well, you know, on my server, it would tend to be the Horde that just rolled Ramshot over the weak Alliance, but, you know. Even in Ultrak Valley? Wow. Okay. Will, what do you think? But, but that, I mean, it, it's a good point, though, especially if you were doing it PCs versus NPCs, your NPCs could... Um, sort of make the game work, right? Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm a little worried that if you set it up as PCs versus PCs, that you can't do it team against team, um, and that it would be pretty difficult to get it balanced to the point where it was fun. Here's my idea for it. Um, play it sort of like an arcade game. You come there, I have a certain amount of classes on each side, certain amount of levels. Um, you tell me, and once those are filled up, they're filled up. Um, at that point, if your character dies, you come back to this check-in desk, and you turn into a monster. Once that, once you die as a monster, then you can come back and go back to your original team. Interesting. I'm still doing some fleshing out, but I think this would prevent rapid spawning for one. And you get points individually towards victory for how many kills you do as well, so you're not necessarily going to go just help your team as a monster. So let's just not... We don't have to look at the specifics of the rules. Right. Would a large, like, two-hour-long encounter that's a big war game, that's something we don't see a whole lot in IFGS anymore. Would that be fun? I, I know I would enjoy it. I would love it, like, beyond belief. I think especially if it was a little bit open-ended, that the PCs felt like um, that they weren't being handled by the NPCs, that they could be clever and do things to outsmart mm-hmm. the NPCs, and that would be okay. I think PCs love that. Um having a big open space, you know, where everyone can sort of go play for two hours and not be like encounter to encounter. I think that there's some freedom there. So I think, I think it's a great idea. My, my other concern would be about the kinds of players who would not take part. Right. In in a lot of teams, you have some people who are going to be totally gung ho and who are going to want to do this stuff. Right. But you're also going to have people on that yeah. team who that was weird. <laughs> um, you're going to have people on that team who are not into that kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I've I've seen plenty of teams where you have someone who, you know, they're sort of the sedentary mage or they're the, you know, the the thinker or whatever, and it it seems like it could be problematic trying to get those kinds of people involved. I can see what you're saying, but I also in the same thing with base capturing, it seems like we'd also the people that just like sit back there and plan could help, you know, guard one of their bases and form plans to help take over the other ones. And the same as people like to be stealthy, they can go try to figure out where the other bases are because I'm not going to let every all players know where all the bases are right off the bat. <laughs> sure. I think it's a great idea. I think it's fun to try. Um, I think go for it. I let your sanction committee work. We deal with the balance issues. Don't stress about that too much. You know, get some ideas in there and 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 really work with your sanction committee and your production staff on that. 
But um, and there there are definitely some logistic things that you need to to deal mm-hmm. with, like how do you you know take a break in the middle of your game to do this, or is this your entire game, or you know things like that to solve. But uh, yeah, it sounds like a, lo- a lot of fun. All right, I actually already have it on paper, but I'm holding off submitting it just because you know, too much things going on, and I wouldn't want to do this next year anyway. Right. <laughs> Great. Yeah, and I would be sad when I missed it. <laughs> yeah next year I'll, I'll, i'm gonna be in new zealand for about a month out of the summer and if i had to miss this encounter that would be pretty pretty sucky yeah it won't be next year for sure okay. So. okay well we're gonna take another little break and when we come back i promise we will have the five questions be right back and we're back with the five questions so will what are the five questions i have an idea Am I supposed to know this stuff? Oh, right, right, In right, general, right. what are the five questions? The five questions are the questions that we ask each of our, um, I was about to say opponents, which worries me. <laughs> um, me too. Each of, <laughs> each of our guests, um, these are opinion questions only, so um, other than one of them, there are no wrong answers. <laughs> okay, and I'll get this started. Um, Jonathan, what's the best class? In the current system, it's night. There's no other answer there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The, the word has been heard and the name has been spoken. Okay, Nate, yes. do you have another answer? I've not played it enough to be for sure. It seems like fighter's pretty powerful. Um, myself, I enjoy playing casters, and I like druids all the way around, but I can't say they're the best. Okay, that's fair. All right. Yeah, fair I can't really argue with that. I mean, Monk. No. Mm-hmm. But oh, anyways, let's go Actually, on. Actually, 6-2 Monk might be a little overpowered. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, right. What was your favorite game? Um, The favorite game I've seen, that's Price of Life, that night game with those demons coming up over the hills, was <laughs> gave, me, awesome. gave me shivers as an NPC, and I knew what was coming. Uh, as far as playing... I don't know. They're all. I've had so much fun in all of them, but I'm going to say Sweet Cecile just because it gave me my first taste of Ifcus, and I just fell in love with the whole organization because of that game itself. Aww. fantastic! I'm so glad that you're you're rewriting that game for uh, and and going to hopefully put it on next year. That's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of rewriting. No, no, no just... rewriting whatsoever. It's Michelle's game through and through. But I would like to have new people see it. Yeah. Cool. If uh, your favorite character had to die, how would you want him or her to go out? Well, that would be fair, and then my druid's kind of crazy as it is. I wouldn't mind getting another hold of one of those blast potions and taking out everyone around me and myself as well. Ooh. Yeah, no kidding. Those things are awesome. Yeah, I was tempted to buy one of those. 40-point blast autocast. Firstborn has some liquid hate. Yeah? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I watched Tony Tony Fabrizio's Max use it in um, Price of Unity, and after that I was like, oh, shit, I need one of those. Yeah. Firstborn is no longer allowed in the Nexus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's ever been to the Nexus. Nah, he's tied up. We've we've got some plot stuff to do with Firstborn <laughs> next year. And I don't think he's going to make it to the Nexus before he does that. Yeah. Okay, so the next question. What is the one thing you wish you could change about IFGS? It could be anything. It could be rules. It could be culture. It can be uh, government. What, what's the one thing? It really has to be the combat system um, just to help new people and and the culture of just not wanting change. 
You can seriously, you can come on anytime you want. So, so <laughs> talk about this not wanting change. Like, go expound upon this. Like, where where do you see that most? Where, where what what obstacles have you seen? You don't have to name names or anything like that. You know, I, I don't want that. I just want like, where do you see change really hard to implement? Everywhere. I mean, you bring up if you look at the um, if it's Facebook or the forum, somebody brings up an idea. Why don't we do this? Because we've tried it. We don't like it. This will never work. And it. That, it's that every time. Mm. Um, where do, where can I see this? Well, we put it down four times. You know, it. It's just because you haven't figured out a way to make something work in the past, or you like what's being played. As I've said before, it doesn't mean you shouldn't look at something new. Okay. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. I've, for, for the one that the one that makes me even more aggravated is when people say like, "This would never work. It can't possibly work." And then you're yes. like, "It's worked in playtesting. It's worked in every other LARP. Like, what would make it not work? Well, it wouldn't work." Okay. Yeah, it just openness to talk about new ideas before you shoot it down. I mean, if an idea doesn't work, great, but let's talk about it. Say, make sure it doesn't work before we just say it. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think you have the last question, Will. I do. So if you could get one person, fictional or real, to play on your team, who would it be and why? Oh, my. <laughs> Give me a second on this one. <laughs> right right now, I'm, I know you don't have too much of an opinion of it, but I'm really hoping. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. I, I knew it. it. I really like you, what was dog. that, the Iron Druid series? Yes, I like the dog. I want the dog on my team. <laughs> okay, you want Oberon. That's, I want that, Oberon. <laughs> that is... Okay, that's a little better. <laughs> Interesting. So, that's funny. So, I'm going to interject here I'm actually, again. I'm actually in the middle of Hammered right now, so... Is that the second book? Third. Third book? Okay. Is it getting better? You said it was a little fluffy, right? It's... it's Fluffy's a word. Okay. <laughs> it is fluffy and it's silly, but it's a fun read. It's. I understand Will's points about um, the, it not being anything close to Dresden Files, and it's not. But it's a fun read, and I enjoy it. It okay. is a very. It, it is. It is a fun read. So far, so far in this book, uh, Jesus has tried to talk him out of killing Thor, and Bacchus has tried to kill him on the way to killing Thor. And always remember, Thor's a dick. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I think I have to read this book at some point. I don't know when I'm going to fit it in with, with everything else I'm doing, but uh, it sounds like I at least need to read the first one. The audio, if you're doing travel, um, the reader for the audio book does a great job. Okay. Great, great idea. I have a... Yeah, if you if you ever want a series where someone kills gods as if they were kobolds, this is the one. But the gods <laughs> come back, right? They don't stay dead? No. Well, depends. Depends. Sort of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, we'd like to thank you for coming on and entertaining us for the last, I don't know, 45 minutes, hour, however long it's been. Uh, it's been gotten some great input on, on new producers, and hopefully if there's anyone out there thinking about producing a game, they can sort of listen to this and get some ideas of what it's like and, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, really appreciate it, and I, I love the way you think, so it's hard That's to get talking that. to you. Great. Well, um, we're going to let everyone go. Have a great day, night, whenever you're uh, listening to this. And remember, fighters fight. Fighters fight.